On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk is interviewed on CBS's 60 Minutes, and the interview was talked about all week afterwards for reasons that are bound to have CBS executives sweating. Plus, an update on when we might see the Tesla pickup truck, an update on EV incentives in a couple of U.S. states, and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This is Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for December 16th, 2018, approaching the holidays, approaching the end of the quarter. This is episode 176. To my left, a very feisty Daisy the Boxer puppy. I don't know if, you he- if you'll be able to hear her uh, sort of rustling around over there, but she's got a, a very old dental chew that she is just tossing around and trying to bury in my couch. So we'll see how long it takes her to inevitably fall asleep, as she does every Friday night when I record the show. I wanted to start with a personal message here, a a very sincere thank you, uh, yet again. (laughs) An an unbelievable just uh, thank you, a a expression of gratitude and humility on my part. Uh, I surpassed 105 referrals this past week, which means... Roadster number two, which means I can sell one of them to pay the, the giant tax liability on both of them. And I that means I probably won't have to part with my Model 3 or come up with another large sum of, of out-of-pocket cost to, uh, to solve that quote-unquote, and big air quotes here, problem of winning a free Roadster. And... Uh, I just, yeah, I, I'm so, so grateful for the kindness that all of you have shown me. I'm just so happy, so grateful that I, that I do get to keep that Model 3, because my goodness, it's such a great car. Even in just the four and a half months I've had it so far, it's so practical, it's so safe, it's a great family car, uh, it's so fun to drive, it's just a blast, and I'm, I'm so grateful that I should hopefully be able to keep it in my family, keep it in my garage for many years, many years to come. Uh, and then also enjoy the Roadster for many, many decades. I told, I told you my plan is to keep that uh, for the rest of my life, which if, if I'm lucky enough will be many decades more. And uh, yeah, just just going to have fun with that. So the, the Roadster tour will commence after the car arrives. And now uh, as far as the referral program itself, it you know, I, I'd been treating December 10th as the deadline for that. My, my assumption was that it, the referral program would end, or at least the Roadster portion of it. Well, December 10th came, and the program did, in fact, get extended, but only for one week. It now ends December 17th, and though I'm recording this on December 14th, so I don't actually know what's going to happen on Monday, the 17th, my suspicion is that the program will end forever. And the reason I think that is twofold. Number one, Elon had tweeted a few months ago that, that the referral prog- program wasn't sustainable long-term. And, and the other part, too, is I got to figure if Tesla had intended to keep the referral program going, I'd have expected that they would have extended it by more than just one week. They've always extended it by 
two months or three months, usually, uh, over, over these past few years that the referral program has been running. So what that means is uh, these late USA orders that are trying to sneak in under the, the full tax credit deadline, uh, you folks placing orders that, that can take delivery by the 31st of this month will be able to, uh, to get yourself that referral code, that, that supercharger bonus using someone's referral code. And then also, I expect it's probably also for the benefit of those initial European reservation holders who are ordering now. So uh, my code is still there if you need one for your to get your six months of free supercharging. So if you, if you are ordering wherever in the world you are, feel free to use it. Uh, but otherwise, I would say use other people's codes where you can. Spread the love. As Bill and Ted would say, be excellent to each other because uh, you have been ex- excellent to me. And uh, remember, if you, if you are in Europe and you need instructions on how to, to add a referral code to your order, I gave that out on last week's episode, if you missed it, episode 175. So again, just a, a surreal several months here uh, on this. this the, it is, again, the, it's the impossible dream. I mean, I, I don't say that flippantly. I mean, it really was. I never, I never thought this was possible until it started to get real close. And now to, to be in this position is just, I'm just so humbled and grateful for it. So thank you all so, so much. Uh, I can't, I can't wait to start showing people that car and just spreading the joy of it. And I've, I've been watching the, uh, the videos over and over on the Tesla site, not only on the unveiling of the Roadster, but about a week or so ago, Tesla on their social channels, I, I guess, right, I played you the clip last week. What, what am I saying? The, the little montage of the, re, of the zero to 60 reactions from people. I keep watching that on an endless loop too. And it's just like, it's literally nothing but joy. I mean, I, yes, I know it's an edited montage. If there were somebody that just sat there stone-faced, they wouldn't have put them in the video. But it seems like the general consensus is it is a, uh, it is a joy-inducing roller coaster of a, of a vehicle that will be really fun to uh, to drive across the country and get to see that that on a, on a bunch of your faces and and get to s- witness those first reactions. I'll get my own first reaction, but then I'll get to spread that love around. So, uh, next up on quick show notes before moving to the news, volunteering. It is the end of the quarter, and Tesla clubs the the official Tesla owners clubs that are around the country have been organized and they are more doing a more formal uh, process for volunteering your time at your nearest Tesla store or delivery center. So if you are interested, please first look up and see if you have a Tesla owners club in your area. I am a member of the Tesla owners club of Silicon Valley. Uh, Although I'm also, I guess I'm also in the, the NorCal Reno group, which was around first but they they tend to be up further towards towards like Tahoe, Reno, uh, northern northern California slash Nevada, uh, whereas the Silicon Valley group is right here in the Bay Area. But hey, it's great people in both. So anyway, uh, I'm going to be volunteering next weekend is my plan. Next Sunday, the 23rd, I'm going to do a half day in the morning, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. is what I've signed up for. There's a number of other Tesla Silicon Valley club members signed up as well. Uh, if you happen to be a, a Bay Area listener and you happen to be taking delivery of your car, 
on the 23rd, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to see you. But I encourage you all, if you're interested, look into the possibility because, boy, not only you know, you're, you're helping the mission, helping the cause, but it's just fun. It's, it's fun to see. Again, I talked about this last time, so I won't really repeat myself, but you know, it's, it's such a big moment for most people when you're taking delivery of that Tesla. It sure was for me. And to be able to just see that all day and be able to chip in and, and, and you know, give the Tesla folks a hand, it's great. I, I couldn't recommend it enough if you're interested. All right, news time. Elon Musk on 60 Minutes. This was the big story of the week. The full interview aired last Sunday evening. I dissected it, chopped it up. I've got a bunch of clips for you, but I would say if you're, you know, I'm not going to steal CBS's content in its entirety, just making a few choice clips. I always want to make sure to give the plug to the source. If you want to go watch the whole thing, you can find it at cbsnews.com slash 60 minutes. It's a 14-minute segment hosted by Leslie Stahl, who uh, coincidentally or not also interviewed Elon on 60 Minutes exactly 10 years ago, 2008. So do take a look at the whole interview. But as you may have heard about this week, controversy followed this interview. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But what Elon tweeted was, 60 Minutes actually had several hours of interview time, which they distilled to 14 minutes, Many stories could have been told with that time. Let me start with the first clip here. This, uh, is, this is Leslie Stahl suggesting that other people have suggested <laughs> that the company could survive without him. Here's Elon's reaction to that. There are people who, who say that the company cannot survive without you. I don't and think that's true, yeah. There are people who say the company cannot survive with you. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I do agree with Elon that the company could survive without him. Now. I think now they could. I don't think that was true maybe even a year ago. I think Tesla would be much worse off without him. But to me, J.B. Straubel is the clear, clear heir apparent if Elon were ever not there for any reason whatsoever. JB has been the silent co-genius behind this whole thing since the beginning, and I think he would be the one to step in and step up if indeed the situation warranted it. But again, let's hope that Tesla and Elon stay together uh, in, a, in a very active, uh, high-up role capacity for many, many, many years. So uh, Elon Musk... What do you think of the SEC? Have you had any of your tweets censored since the settlement? No. None. Does someone have to read them before they go out? No. So your tweets are not supervised? The, the, the only tweets that would have to be, say, um, reviewed would be if, if a tweet had a probability of uh, causing a movement in the stock. And that's it? Yeah, I mean, otherwise it's, uh, hello, First Amendment. Like, freedom of speech is fundamental. But, but how do they know if it's going to move the market if they're not reading all of them before you send them? Well, I guess uh, we might make some mistakes. Who knows? <laughs> Are you serious? No, he's perfect. <laughs> Look at you. No, I, 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 I want to I be clear. I do not respect the SEC. I do not respect them. 
But but you're abiding by the settlement, aren't you? Because I respect the justice system. Okay, now we're getting into the meat of this interview. Uh, You can probably hear it here, but if you happen to watch the video, you can also see on Elon's face how much he really, really hates the SEC and clearly does not agree with the outcome of their investigation. I suspect the other powers at Tesla probably convinced Elon to take that settlement, which of course lines up with the timeline of events that that led up to the settlement when there was originally a settlement that Elon then rejected at the last minute, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, as fans, as cheerleaders, and in some cases as shareholders in Tesla, we don't really want to see him draw the eye of Sauron again, so let's hope he just doesn't make any crazy market-moving tweets as he uh, talks about there. I don't think that the SEC really can enforce any kind of Twitter policing on him otherwise, so hopefully Elon will occasionally maybe test that electric fence, but not actually try to get through it. All right, what about the new chairman of the board, the new chairwoman of the board at Tesla? Uh, Elon gives some background on how that came about when asked by Leslie Stahl. Did you handpick her? Yes. The impression was that she was put in to kind of watch over you. Yeah, I mean, that's not realistic. I mean, Like a babysitter. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not realistic in the sense that I am the largest shareholder in the company, um, and I can just call for a shareholder vote and get anything done that I, that I want. So do you think you'll want to go back to, be, uh, to being chair? No, I, 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 I don't think. I, I actually just prefer to have no titles at all. Well, very, very blunt there. He basically says that him not being chairman of the board doesn't matter because he's the largest shareholder and can get anything he wants. Now, that may prevent the board from ever pulling a coup on him. As I've said before, that even if they wanted to do that, that probably would never be in the best interests of the company or the shareholders, and thus the board probably would never do that. But um, yeah, the, the no titles thing is interesting. Remember, he, he's tweeted about that previously. Maybe it's so that it'd be tougher for people like the SEC to come after him in the future. I don't know. But uh, we did learn when he was exploring uh, that a company has to have a CEO, a treasurer, and something else. Uh, remember, that was what he was tweeting about. Anyway, um, I don't think anybody at the SEC is going to be getting a Christmas card from Elon Musk. Except everything I just said, hold on, because <laughs> that turns out, Uh, what you just heard was not the entire context of what Elon said. So this was the controversy. This was the heart of the controversy this week. Elon, later in the week, accused 60 Minutes of editing the context out of that quote. And sure enough, the full transcript, which was obtained from Tesla by the site Ars Technica, says this. So essentially, I could just pull a shareholder vote and get anything I want, provided I could get support from at least a third of the other shareholders. Not certain, but likely. At the end of the day, the shareholders pull the vote. Now, I went back and listened to that. You may even want to rewind a couple minutes to listen to the quote again, because if you listen to the clip that I played, you can actually hear the edit point. It's it's really subtle if you're not looking for it. You know, it's, editing happens all the time, but you can actually hear it. Right after 
right after he says, uh, talks about how, how he could get anything he wants, it just cuts. You can hear the edit right there. Uh, so that is not a great look for CBS. And in fact, you know, this this interview was already uh, drawing fire from from certainly from Tesla fans. Uh, a lot of people not happy with how negative they perceive this interview to be. But for now, let's talk about that. Let's keep listening to more clips. So this is this is Elon, uh, kind of on that same point actually about defending himself and defending the company, talking about how, what they achieved in the face of relentless criticism over the last year. There's been relentless criticism, relentless and outrageous and unfair, because what actually happened here was an incredible American success story. All these people worked their ass off day and night to make it happen, and they believed in the dream. He's right, you know. Tesla in and of itself is an American success story, and the Model 3 and the push to 5,000 units per week and profitability and tens of thousands of American jobs, that is exactly the textbook definition of an American success story. I really, really loved Elon's impassioned reply there. All right, let's talk about now how, uh, how dire things got before they got better. The, to quote my favorite film of all time, The Dark Knight, the night is darkest just before the dawn. Let's talk about that just that pre-dawn time for Tesla this past year. If you're trying to step up to something which is you know, a, a thousand percent more than any other program that you've ever done, it's necessarily, you, you, you have to bet the company. There's no option. So in other words, if you hadn't met it, you would have died. It was, it was life or death. We were losing 50, sometimes $100 million a week. Uh, running out of money. You were losing $100 million a week. Yeah. Elon has addressed this before, saying that there have been a few bet-the-company moments in the history of Tesla, and that he uh, neither hopes nor foresees any more of those in the future. But hearing that is just another reminder, again, pulling back that curtain, how vital Q4 is, the quarter that is now about to come to an end. I mean, Elon's been preaching the importance of Q3 and Q4 all year long, and they checked off Q3. They did it. They accomplished it. They, they crushed it. Now that we're in the thick of it, it's again, it's worth remembering how vital Q4 is as well. If Tesla is profitable again here in Q4, following that Q3 profitability, I believe it's probably going to pave a very bright future. If they're not profitable in Q4, if they if they're if they miss it by a dollar, you know what the stories are going to be. Uh, if they just even dip that toe back into the red this quarter, I'm not saying that they can never not turn a profit in a quarter again. Elon has straight up said, "Hey, we plan to always be profitable, but you know the economy can change, things can happen." Etc. Etc. But I feel like for right now, this moment, Q4 2018, if they happen to miss that profitability, it's going to bring out all the shorts again. It's going to bring out all the fudsters again, all the doom and gloomers again. That really, if you look, have been pretty quiet in recent weeks. We're actually going to talk a little bit more about that later in the show. 
I think those people would be empowered again, or at the very least, if not empowered, at the very least, emboldened. So uh, nobody wants that. Nobody that's rooting for Tesla wants to see that. We'll see how Q4 goes. Uh, the, the final push is on. Okay, Leslie Stahl asked Elon about the tent. We've heard about the tent before, but let's hear a little bit more about the tent. This, this whole thing that you see here uh, was a pretty mir miraculous effort by the team to create a general assembly line out of nothing in three weeks. This went up in three weeks? Yeah. So those, you know, betting against the company were, were right by all conventional standards that we would fail, but they just did not count on this unconventional situation of creating a, an assembly line in the parking lot in a tent. And that's last minute push. It increased our output by 50%. Well, speaking of the shorts that I just mentioned a minute ago, Elon kind of acknowledges the short sellers right there. In fact, saying that by conventional thinking, you'd have been within your rights to doubt Tesla's ability to fulfill its goals uh, until they thought unconventionally. By the way, uh, I <laughs> just as total side note, I couldn't help but smile while watching that if you happen to look at the video. Because so they filmed that, as you could probably tell from the, the sound in the background, that was shot in GA4, General Assembly 4, a.k.a. the tent, which is where all the performance Model 3s are built. And the day that they filmed that segment, what was behind them? A run of multi-coat multi red performance Model 3s with white interiors. So uh, I appreciated that. Next up, still got a few more clips here for you. The $35,000 car, the base model of the Model 3. Fair question to ask about. Uh, it's on everyone's mind. Will we see it? Here is Elon talking about uh, the $35,000 Model 3. It's not a car for the everyman, which is what you set out to build. Uh, it's getting there. We're, we're not that far from being able to produce the $35,000 car, and that'll be ready in probably five or six months. All right, here you go. You've already set a new deadline, right? Five or six months. That's just, that's just my guess. Okay. It's, it's not like some promise uh, or, or so help me God and strike me dead. You are notorious <laughs> for setting, you know, these deadlines for yourself that no one thinks you can meet and you often don't meet. And I'm just wondering why you do that. Well, I mean, punctuality is not my strong suit. Um, I think, uh, why would people think that, the, <laughs> that if I've been late on all the other models that I'd be suddenly on time with, with this one? Yeah. <laughs> your, your naysayers say that you lie. That's the way they interpret it. It, it, people should not ascribe to malice that which can easily be explained by stupidity. Um, so, <laughs> so it's like just because I'm like dumb at, at predicting dates does not mean I'm uh, untruthful. I don't know. I've, we've, I've never made a mass-produced car. How am I supposed to know with precision when it's going to get done? Well, that is a slight pushback again on the standard battery car. It's been tracking pretty consistently for the last few months on the official Tesla site, which uh, of just narrowing towards around February or so. But him saying here in December, ready in five or six months, well, that pushes us into Q2 of 2019, which, again, my big concern there is the diminished federal tax credit for people who have been waiting uh, for what by the time they get their car is going to be over three years. You know, the, the $35,000 Model 3 was 
a big selling point of the Model 3 when it was unveiled. People put down their money in good faith. They have waited patiently. And, you know, it'll be a great car when they get it, but the, the tax credit thing is just really unfortunate. It, you know, I know that's there's only there's some control Tesla has over that. I mean, they that's why they always they did always advertise it as thirty five thousand without any incentives, and that's to their credit. They at least had the foresight there. But at the same point, it's you you can't help but feel for people who have continued to wait for that standard battery car. So I really hope at least that that once that car is ready to be made and sold. I really hope Tesla switches production over almost entirely to standard battery cars for a while so that as many of those long-waiting customers can at least hopefully sneak in on the half tax credit, the $3,750 tax credit, rather than end up in Q3, Q4, and the quarter credit of $1,875. Now, Maybe, maybe we can parse that statement and say that he meant the actual $35,000 car and that maybe a $40,000 standard battery car that has the premium interior bundled, maybe that'll still get produced starting in February. Maybe. We shall see on that. I mean, I understand, believe me, I understand completely that the Tesla is blazing a new trail here. They are doing things that the entire industry either thought that they couldn't do or actively wished they wouldn't. But again, I, I feel for those people who've been waiting and who, barring a legislative miracle at the federal level, uh, are going to have a less than favorable tax credit situation waiting for them when they are finally first even able to take delivery. So continue to keep a close eye on the standard battery uh, plans and the standard battery roadmap from Tesla. What about the recent GM closures? Elon was asked about. Uh, let's let's see there. Would would maybe uh, Tesla be interested in in grabbing another factory off of GM's hands? Would you want to buy some of those plants, those factories that they're closing down? You're shaking your head yes? It's possible that we would be interested if we were going to sell a plant or, or not use it, that we would take it over. I mean, it's kind of a non-answer. He just says maybe. That's that's basically what that translates to is maybe. But still, it, it does make sense for them to consider that option because if Tesla can get one of the GM plants that, you know, it's it's a shame that, it's clo- that some of them are closing, but if you can pick it up for pennies on the dollar the same way that they did the, the Numi plant that is now the Tesla factory, that could be useful maybe for Model Y. Although, given the volume on Model Y, I do still think that they're going to use Gigafactory 1 for that so that the batteries and drivetrains can just go straight into those cars uh, at, right, at the, right in the same spot to maximize efficiency on a vehicle that they ultimately plan to, to build and sell half a million of per year. But anyway, I think more likely... If, if Tesla did pick up a, a shuttered GM plant, it could be useful for the semi. That could be a, a definite potential candidate to be built at a, at a different spot. And then maybe even the pickup later on down the road, too. Um, particularly, you know, the pickups tend, I think, to sell a little bit better 
in in the middle, like the Midwest part of the country. And if you've got a GM plant that maybe is in the Midwest, that could make a ton of sense. I I think I do think I think I've said this before, but I believe the Roadster is probably going to get done at home base in Fremont. Uh, figure they'll car- carve out a little corner for it, but all of it will be interesting to learn what Tesla decides to do. All right, I've got one last clip from this interview. Again, I do encourage you to go check out the full 14-minute piece at the uh, URL that I gave you at the top of this segment here. But uh, this is Leslie posing the question to Elon, well, what if, uh, you know, are you ha- you're happy that GM is saying that they're doubling down on their efforts to build electric vehicles? The, the, the whole point of Tesla is to accelerate the, the advent of electric vehicles and, and sustainable transport. So if We're trying to help the environment. We think it's a most serious problem that humanity faces. I mean, I'm not sure if you know, but we, we, we open sourced our patents. So anyone who wants to use our patents can use them for free. Your patents are open source? Yeah. So if somebody comes and makes a better electric car that, than, than Tesla, um, and, and it's, it's so much better than ours that we can't sell our cars and, and we go bankrupt, I still think that's a good thing for the world. And you'll sleep at night. Yeah, because somebody's making some pretty great cars. Um, yeah. I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill on this, but I, I disagree with him a bit here. I mean, I agree with the larger overall sentiment that if someone actually managed to out Tesla Tesla to the point where nobody wanted Teslas anymore because there was a way better electric vehicle out there for at better prices, yes, that would be good for general EV adoption. But again, this is you know he he is in a he's in a, in a high up position at the top of position at a at a a growing important company and he you know he's got to be careful with his words and and uh the fact is he he's the dad of tesla with a lot of mouths to feed over forty thousand mouths to feed now and my only little point here is that it would not be good to lose that many jobs even at the betterment of the ev movement and i know and i know he's just being hypothetical there he's not being literal but I just wanted to point that out. So, yeah, this interview was the talk of the town for the week. And CBS, uh, as of when I'm recording this here on late Friday night, hasn't issued any kind of follow-up. They haven't said anything. Some folks in the Tesla community are are calling out for uh, CBS to release the entire interview, to release all the footage, all the transcripts, to see what went on here. I mean, editing happens all the time, especially on television. I mean, it, it happens in every medium. Uh, it, it won't happen. I can promise you it won't happen on this medium if, if and when I can get Elon Musk on this show. Uh, why would I cut out even a second <laughs> of, of what he has to say? I mean, though, you'll, you'll hear the whole thing. But, uh, you know, on television, that's the editing is part of the process. But, yeah, the, the, that one particular example of the, the shareholder thing and the chairman of the board, that... That's pretty egregious. You know, you compare the the full transcript to what was aired, and boy, is that some significant changing of the context on that. And 60 Minutes is a is a long-running, proud, decorated journalistic institution. They should be better than that. Uh, that is that is not a good look for them. Uh, I, I wonder if they'll say anything at any point, but, you know, this... It was still an interesting interview, I think, even aside from that. Again, I know a lot of folks out there were were down on this, feeling like that 
the Stahl's questioning was just sort of inherently negative and that Elon was having to defend himself. And, you know, you, you do have to keep in mind the audience here. You know, the 60 Minutes audience is not uh, my audience. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not you. You know, it's, it's not the hardcore Tesla enthusiast, the Tesla owner. Really, it's, you know, it's, it's greater America. It's an older uh, demographic. I mean, I, I, I mean no disrespect, but I think it's pretty telling when, when you go to the, the CBS website to watch that video, the, the mid-roll ads on the 14-minute segment, you know, it, it throws in commercials every, every few minutes. They're for Pfizer. So, um, you know, that, that's not a coincidence. That's on purpose. That's a demographic-based thing. So, Daisy, are you okay? She's, that didn't sound good. She's fine. But in any case, uh, that is the 60 Minutes interview with Elon Musk. Controversial, though, it ended up being. Still got some interesting information out of it, some interesting quotes from Elon. And, uh, yeah, I hope to – I continue to be in communication with Tesla, and, and we'll see uh, if and when I get my opportunity because I've got a whole bunch of great questions ready to go for Elon, and we will I, – I promise you – I can promise you – this at the minimum. It will be, I can't promise it'll be good because you might not like it, but I can promise you that I'll be ready. I'll be the most prepared (laughs) interviewer I could possibly be. And I can promise you that, uh, well, I can promise you he'll be asked things he's never been asked before. And I I don't mean that any sort of like cryptic, mysterious way. I just mean, we're going to get into some fun Tesla stuff uh, that's gonna, we're gonna have a good time. That's what it's gonna be if I get the opportunity. So we'll see about that. Let's move on with the rest of the Tesla news this week. And the first thing is some good news <clears throat> Tesla continues to hold their resale value better than their internal combustion engine counterparts, according to a new market study by Autolist.com. They get the credit here. Uh, this from them, they say the Model S declined on average by 27% after accumulating 50,000 miles. The overall segment that the Model S is in, that premium luxury segment, declined by an average of 36% after 50,000 miles. So that's a pretty substantial difference right there. Meanwhile, the Model X value declined by an average of 23% after 50,000 miles. Uh, not really a surprise there, because there's really there is literally nothing like the Model X. Uh, it is a very unique beast. The uh, segment as a whole in for the Model X declined an average of 33 percent, so a full uh, a, a actual 10 percent spread there versus the nine. It is with the S uh, that that decline after 50,000 miles, and Model S resale values have been stable since the previous auto list study in August 2016, despite there now being much greater uh, inventory, used inventory of Teslas. So this is just good news for every Tesla buyer, whether you plan to keep your car for many, many years, or if you happen to be someone who's going to be tempted by the next wave of tech and you're going to upgrade to another Tesla after just a few years, it's still good news for you. And, and believe me, because you might, might wonder, well, wait, why would you you'd upgrade a, a Tesla that can go for a million miles after just a few years? 
Some people do. I have seen many, many hardcore owners in the Tesla community who went from a P85 in the beginning to a P85D to then the P100D. Plenty of folks have done it. But anyway, uh, that this, this whole resale thing, this study, it, it only helps strengthen the argument when you're trying to convince someone or someone who is trying to convince themselves to buy a Tesla, especially combined with the operating costs of the Tesla versus uh, an ICE vehicle compared with the uh, the safety ratings. You know, the, the, both Teslas, all three, but the two compared here, the two mentioned here, the S and the X, are the safest cars in their categories. And then, hey, you've got the torquey EV performance, no matter which trim of S or X you buy, 75D all the way up to P100D. That's a cherry on top at that point is the 100% torque from zero miles per hour EV performance that you get as well. Next up this week, let me go through a roundup of Elon Musk's tweets, the Musk Minute. Uh, so those, remember those new Easter eggs that I talked about, I believe last week, maybe the week before, uh, the romance mode, the, uh, I forget what the other ones were, but they're due in 10 to 14 days via Elon as of December 11th. So since you're hearing this most likely on December 16th or later, plus factor in Elon time, and well, it's probably still about 10 to 14 days from when you're hearing this, but I just can't wait to see what they are. You know, that's, uh, that'll be fun stuff. See what's doing with the, uh, the next wave of Tesla Easter eggs. Elon uh, commenting on when we might see a prototype of the pickup truck. He says, quote, I'm dying to make a pickup truck so bad we might have a prototype to unveil next year, end quote. Well, given that he did say might that right there, and uh, there's the not-so-small, not-so-insignificant thing of the Model Y reveal that's due to happen next year as well, I would expect any pickup reveal that happens in 2019 to be very late in the year, if it happens in 2019 at all. But it's really, it's super cool to hear him just continue to express how excited he is about the pickup truck. I mean, I personally have no interest in the pickup. Uh, it's going to be, it's way too big for my life. Uh, and it's just, I don't carry things around like that. It's just, you know, I'm not the, the target audience for that and that's fine. But now I'm just curious because he keeps talking up how excited he is about it. I just want to see it to see what the heck he's been uh, swirling in his brain. Like what's, what's he been cooking up in there? Next uh, on the Elon Musk Twitter roundup, Elon is reacting to a story about a Detroit automotive journalist slash race car driver who bought a Model 3. And Elon said this, quote, Love that people are buying a Tesla for the product itself, even if they don't believe in climate change. Not everyone can be convinced about global warming, but if an electric car is simply the best product, they don't need to be, end quote. And I'll tell you, therein lies, if, if you haven't really thought about it before, therein lies the open secret to Tesla's success, that they are simply beautiful cars that just happen to be electric, 
rather than the other way around. That is a, such a key to Tesla's vehicles. And we have seen that success, that strategy pay off in all three production Tesla vehicles, uh, mass production Tesla vehicles. We've seen it. I mean, although even in the Roadster too, you go back to the original Roadster. So I'll say all four Teslas have shown that. Two more here. A first, an update on full self-driving. He says, quote, already testing traffic lights, stop signs, and roundabouts in development software. Your Tesla will soon be able to go from your garage at home to parking at work with no driver input at all, end quote. Well, <laughs> I got to say that I had not counted on needing to spring for that full self-driving upgrade for at least a few years but maybe Elon and the team are going to end up surprising me and end up making me regret not doing the $3,000 prepay on it. As of now, I still don't regret it, <laughs> but maybe they're going to make me regret it. Uh, it is, it's really, it's, it's cool, man. It's very cool to hear that they are actually running development builds that are testing out those features. That's great. Love it. And finally, Elon tweeting about the origin of the company's name. He says, Tesla history trivia. We didn't actually come up with the Tesla Motors name. We bought the trademark off of Brad Seward for $75,000 in late 2004. He'd originally filed for it in 1994. Our alternative name was Faraday, which was used by a competitor several years later, end quote. So Elon has a weird sense of, not a weird, he has a, he has a, uh, sometimes very subtle sense of humor. Is he serious about the Faraday thing? Because it, that, that seems, I, I want to think that's a joke. Like, oh, he's just sort of, sort of taking the, taking the little, uh, mini, mini joke on, on Faraday there. But is, if he's serious, I mean, if that had happened, I wonder what Faraday future would have ended up calling themselves. It would have been a little, uh, kind of a merry-go-round, with electric car company names. Okay, couple more stories for you this week, actually three of them, and they're all region-specific. So I'll get through these, since I know not everybody lives in these places. Bad news in Massachusetts, coming to me via Ride the Lightning listener Michael Lee. The Massachusetts state electric vehicle rebate is dropping from $2,500 now to $1,500 in January. Michael Lee telling me, quote, as of, uh, or actually via the, the website, as of January 1st, 2019, only battery electric vehicles, uh, all electrics like the Bolt and Leaf, under $50,000 will be eligible for the EV rebate. That means plug-in hybrid electric vehicles that have a gas tank backup, such as the Volt or Prius Prime, and any electric vehicles that cost more than $50,000 will no longer qualify. For cars that still qualify, the rebate amount will be reduced from a $2,500 max to $1,500. Oh, that is unfortunate. Also, the program itself is has only been extended until June of 2019, so it appears that it may be fee, uh, phasing out. Pardon me. Well, what that means, just to crystal clarify what that means, that means the mid-range Model 3s are going to be the only ones that qualify under that uh, that change, since the forty nine thousand dollar long range rear wheel drive Model Three is unavailable now, or at least it's mostly unavailable. They're, they've stopped 
uh, offering it on menu. You might still be able to find one if you order it off menu from Tesla. And I, I don't know if the, if that's MSRP under four, under 50,000 or total price of the car. I couldn't find that information, but nevertheless, uh, if you are in Massachusetts and you are a mid-range Model 3 buyer, do keep this in mind. Otherwise, uh, it's unfortunate that it looks like the rest of the Tesla owners, uh, you know, the new owners will be, will be left out of this. Good news, meanwhile, though, in Oregon. Chris in Salem, Oregon, sending word that his state has just kicked off a new electric vehicle rebate. Chris telling me, Oregon has just approved a $2,500 rebate for all new EV purchases with over 10 kilowatt hour of batteries, which obviously every Tesla is way over that. Uh, this is a new program that's been in the works for a while. That means any Tesla buyer can currently get the $7,500 federal, well, at least for another couple of weeks, and $2,500 from the state of Oregon. And Chris notes correctly, that is pretty cool. So if you need more information on this, if I've got any Oregonians out there, uh, just Google Oregon EV rebate, and it'll be the first Google result for you. I'd give you the whole URL, but it is annoyingly long, and it's just easier to Google it, honestly. So California here, we've, we've long had one of the more generous EV incentives, but really happy to see Oregon match it. That's great, great news. Colorado, still the king, as far as I know. $5,000 rebate up in Colorado. Great, great stuff. Love seeing that. Finally this week, Norway continues to lead the world in electric vehicle adoption, which very much includes Tesla. This is, a, I'm just going to read you a comment, just give the proper credit from Reddit user, and I'm going to slaughter the pronunciation of this because I'm not quite sure what it's supposed to be. Uh, I don't know if it's Nasalahe, N-A-S-A-L-A-H-E, but that user saying, quote, Tesla number 30,000 was registered in Norway will be very interesting to see the numbers in a year from now after delivery of Model 3 starts in February and March. Another milestone for EVs was reached just days ago with 200,000 total registered electric vehicles. The Nissan Leaf is at number one. Tesla occupies the number five and number six spot. To put that into context, another poster kindly did that in the same thread. Reddit user 30 trillion cells notes... Uh, five, <clears throat> 5.62 Teslas per 1,000 citizens in Norway. That is the ratio there. And the, the Reddit user noting, if the United States had the same per capita, there would have been over 1.8 million Model S's and X's there by now. Because, remember, there, there are no Model 3's yet. So, go Norway! This is just fantastic to see. Uh, yeah, because Model 3 should have a relatively massive impact there. It's going to be awesome to see that. Let Norway be an example for the rest of the world. Let's all follow in Norway's footsteps. Great stuff. And there's another busy week of Tesla news. Give me a quick five-second breather here. Listen to this little bit of the great Marty O'Donnell. And I will be right back with another packed round of the Ride the Lightning Hotline right after this.
Time for your questions, comments, discussion topics here on the Ride the Lightning Hotline. I remind you, I invite you to participate, which you can do in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice memo software, record something for me. Please try to keep it to a minute, minute and a half tops. And you can email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a message anytime, day or night, on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number. The number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know somebody special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Thanks to those Life on Record folks for providing the hotline. Todd from Chicago kicks us off. Remember earlier in the podcast when I was talking about uh, not hearing so much about uh, quite as so much of the bad news anymore? Well, Todd's uh, got a little thought on that as well. Hi, Ryan. This is Todd from Chicago. Got a quick question and a comment uh, or an idea. The question is just uh, in, in the sense that about six to 12 months ago, it seemed like there were several kind of prominent accidents uh, of Tesla vehicles in the news. Uh, I think most uh, with autopilot engaged. And I'm just wondering, it seems like uh, it's been relatively quiet uh, on, on that front. And I was curious if there was any reason why, um, you know, to the slowdown of, of incidents in the news, if it's just not being covered or or if, uh, if you think incidents are actually happening less frequently, and if so, uh, what might be the cause of that? So uh, that was the question. The, uh, the idea for kind of uh, Tesla that I wanted to share with you and get your thoughts on was possibly having some sort of a, uh, app or text message uh, alert that uh, notifies Tesla owners when they're vehicle's car door is accidentally uh, left open. So I had a case once in Chicago where uh, in my ex, I walked away and somehow I must have bumped the button in my, on the key fob in my pocket. And when I walked back to the car uh, about an hour later, the uh, Falcon wing door was, was wide open. And I uh, have no idea how that happened, but if I had some sort of an alert, uh, much like my garage door at home will alert me if my garage door has been left open for longer than a half hour or an hour or open after a certain time of day. Uh, I would love if uh, if Tesla would notify me if my car door was left open or my trunk or trunk was left open. So anyway, just wanted to share those and, and ask that and, and uh, you know, look forward to hearing from you. Love the show. Thank you very much. Uh, first, Todd, I totally agree with you on your idea. That should totally be a thing that the app does for you. If the car is not active and the key fob, be it an, an actual key fob or your smartphone, is not close by and a door or frunk or trunk is ajar, I totally agree that it would be uh, good for the app to notify you. And to your point about Tesla accidents... I agree with you in that it uh, it does seem to be less publicized, so I kind of think it might be a mixture of both, sort of. I mean, the sheer number of accidents can really only be going 
up because the fleet has gotten so much larger just in the last quarter, let alone the last year. But the rate of accidents may be decreasing, maybe, and autopilot has definitely gotten better. And I do think that those stories uh, are probably not clicking as well for these FUD clickbaity outlets anymore. So that would be part of my guess, too, as to why maybe they're not even writing those stories as much anymore. But I'm happy to not hear them. If they're not newsworthy, stop reporting on them for any reason whatsoever. Kenny from Indy is up next and has a question about software updates that I believe I can help him with. Kenny, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. This is Kenny from Indy again. <laughs> um, just a quick question, and uh, I think I know the answer, but uh, I just want to get put this out there and see what everybody else thinks. In terms of upgrades, do they always happen, the over-the-air upgrades, do they always happen overnight uh, with their most recent uh, version 9 upgrade that a lot of us were excited to receive. Um, you go out in the morning and you don't have it. Does that mean don't even bother looking for the rest of the day? I don't think any updates actually come during the day, but I would still... I had been checking throughout the day. Didn't get it in the morning. I'll, maybe I'll check it in a couple hours, check it at 10 o'clock, check it at noon, check it at 2 p.m., it's probably a waste of time because I, I got the feeling that the updates, over-the-air updates, only a hap, only happen overnight. And you probably have an idea, or or you can put this out to see if anybody actually got up in the morning, didn't have the update, but later on that same day, during the day, got an update. All right, appreciate it. Keep up the good work, man. I really love the show. Thanks. Well, Kenny, they don't actually uh, just come in at night. I have had them come in during the day. In fact, uh, the latest update, which I'm going to tell you about towards the end of the show, came in while I was at work. I got the notification uh, on my phone, and actually, I, I updated my my car from my desk at work while I was while I was working in the middle of the day. And then when I went to go home, boom, car was updated and ready to go. But I will say that they do per Tesla. The updates do seem to get pushed. They, they seem to find their way to you a little faster if you're connected to Wi-Fi. And if you're at work, odds are you're not connected to Wi-Fi. I actually, there's Wi-Fi in our, in our garage uh, for the, the staff that works down there. And I, I had to ask him, I was like, can I please have the Wi-Fi password for my car so I can get software updates? This was before not, when I was trying to, waiting for 9.0. And he kindly gave me the, the, the password. To, so my car is on Wi-Fi down in our garage. Because, uh, I mean, why not? But I think typically most people are probably not connected to Wi-Fi while they're at work. But, uh, you know, so it, that may influence your hypothesis on that. But... Nevertheless, there, there's no need to lose hope that you might get an update that day if it wasn't there right when you woke up. You might still get it at any point throughout the day. Thanks for the call, Kenny. Jonas from Paris is up next and wants to talk about uh, Europe and the Model 3 and how they may very well be a match made in heaven. Jonas, you're on the air. Hello, Ryan. Jonas from Paris here. Congratulations for the Eurotster. If you ever take on a European road trip, you must drive it on the Champs-Élysées and go to famous racetracks like Zolder or Spa-Francorchamps in my homeland, Belgium. I'm calling you back with, as you asked, 
more on my view about why I think the Model 3 suits the open market. I've also asked members of the Club Tesla France on Facebook. The number one reason appears to be the size of the car. It's more of a European car in that regard than the S or the X, which are wider. Some people are even trading them for freeze because it's more practical on European roads and cities. I know the suspensions of the Model 3 were a bit criticized to be too tough in the US because American suspensions privilege the comfort of the ride. But in Europe, the practicality and the handling are usually prioritized over the comfort. So it's actually a good point for the Model 3 here. The style is subjective, of course, but given that a Model 3 was often compared to a Porsche, which may be the most popular sport car brand in Europe, it's not too risky to assume that people will like the look of this car. Finally, security, price and eligibility for tax incentives are very important and I think the range of the Model 3 will cover most of the Europeans' needs because the distances are shorter than in the US. To conclude, I don't know if the car was developed with Europe in mind, but I'm sure it will work pretty well. Of course, I speak from the point of view of someone living in France and I would love to hear from other European listeners. Thank you for your attention, Ryan, and uh, bravo uh, for your future Elon interview. I hope you're going to ask him some questions about video games. Maybe you can ask him about Red Dead Redemption 2. If you're not too afraid, he's gonna talk about living in a simulation for the rest of the interview. Anyway, take care everyone and bye-bye. The question of whether or not the 3 was designed with Europe in mind, it's an interesting one, Jonas. My suspicion is that Tesla designed it to simply be a bit smaller than the S on purpose, basically for no other reason than because it is a lower, quote-unquote, lower-end, I don't even need the air quotes, it is a, it's a lower-end car than the S, and it just so happens that the mid-size sedan fits Europe and European roads a lot better, or, or at least more comfortably, than the full-size Model S does. Another point that you didn't mention, though, that I, I think actually strengthens your argument for Model 3's success in Europe even more is fuel prices in Europe. I saw a tweet from somebody in the Tesla community the other day, which of course I can't find now because searching Twitter, once something is off your feed, it's almost impossible to find it again. But anyway, if I remember right, the person had posted uh, fuel prices when equalized for currency, you know, converted over to US dollars and converted to gallons as well instead of liters to make it kind of an apples to apples thing compared to American fuel prices. And the, the basic conclusion there is, is that it's about one and a half to two times higher for gasoline in Europe than it, than it is in the United States. So that alone could drive a lot of people to the Model 3 in Europe. I, I really, I can't wait to see the sales numbers coming out of Europe after the deliveries really get flowing over there. So cheers, Jonas. Thank you so much for the call. Derek, we're going to stay in Europe. We're going to go to Derek in Germany who wants to talk about pricing on the Model 3 in Europe. Hey, Ryan. Derek here from Germany. I wanted to call regarding the pricing structure for the Model 3 in Europe. So the base Model 3 version for the long range is 59,000 euros. And the performance model is looking at 69,000 euros. That's just the base model. 
add in autopilot, add in color, add in extra wheels, add in anything you need, interior options, and you're looking at prices ranging uh, converted into U.S. dollars, almost up to $90,000. I wanted to put that in perspective for your listeners of how the Model 3 is being priced over here in Europe. My fear is that Tesla is pricing the Model 3 outside of the range of the buyers who are buying this type of car. I know that this has been a big topic in the U.S., um, and I wanted to mention how much more exaggerated it is over here. And I fear that, like me, a lot of people are not going to be able to buy the Model 3. I had originally been interested in buying a base Model 3, and I've been convincing myself over the last months to go for a performance. However, after seeing this pricing and seeing that there has been no calculation or adjustment taken in for the European price market, I fear that I can't even afford the Model 3. At 90,000 euros for the car, or $90,000 for the car that I want, I just don't think it can happen. That leads me to my second point, is I've been on the reservation list since about day three, and now hearing that everybody will be able to order their Model 3 within the same few weeks time window and receive delivery also within the same time window is very concerning. I mean, what was the point of the reservation for these last two and a half years if everybody's going to be able to order and get their Model 3 within the same time frame? I mean, I'm all okay about giving the reservation to help further the technology. It just seems a little bit disregarding for the Model 3 reservation holders who have been waiting patiently. So, thanks for the show. Let me know your thoughts. To your second comment, Derek, I'm not sure about that. I believe the everyone can order by the end of the year thing was in reference to reservation holders such as yourself. Not 100% on that, but that was my interpretation of it. We don't yet know if they're going to open up orders to the general public at the end of that window, or if that might come sometime later. And your first point with regard to the pricing, it's a fair concern, for sure. I won't defend Tesla on this, but I also won't criticize them either without knowing their reasons, because I'm sure they have their reasons. Hopefully they will explain those reasons in time, be it in whatever the next Elon interview is, or perhaps the next earnings call, which I guess would be in February. Should be the early February would likely be the next one. Jane, we're going to stay in Europe. We're going to hang out there for a little bit longer. James from the UK has a response to Tim from Little Rock about uh, tires and tire sizes and, and the whole uh, Tim's whole ordeal of having the wrong size tires on his Model X. James, go ahead. Hi there, it's James here from the UK. Uh, first time caller, listening for a little while now, and I just wanted to uh, reply to Tim from last week about the uh, tyre issue he had. As far as I'm aware, you can easily get away with 10mm wider or narrower tyres on most vehicles, but I don't really understand how that it managed to cause an issue with a grinding noise when the tyres were narrower. If they were wider, I could understand it 
fouling the wheel arch or something like that but narrower that doesn't make much sense so hopefully he hasn't damaged anything um and i just wanted to give a little public service announcement uh in regards to tires i had a nail in the rear of one of my tires but luckily uh they needed changing anyway so i changed the rear tires and i opted for a different brand uh something a little bit cheaper because i'm not too fussed about how loud the uh, tires are and uh then I had an autopilot issue plague me for over a month until I finally went and got the front tires changed to the same brand and it went away. And it turns out that even Tesla did not know that having a vastly different brand of tire on the front to the rear caused enough of a speed differential, I guess, to cause autopilot to occasionally sort of swerve back and forward in the lane as it was trying to correct for the wheel speed differential. So uh, if anybody has this issue after changing their front or rear tyres, um, go and get the uh, opposite uh, pair done in the same brand and uh, all should be okay. Thanks. Wow, that is super weird. Thank you, James. I suppose that is a thing that Tesla may have never tested for because all their own cars would certainly just have the OEM tires on them, same ones front and back, because that's what they have around at the Tesla factory. So there you go. That is uh, that is good stuff from the audience once again. I, I love the wisdom and knowledge that gets, that gets shared here. Uh, Matt in Texas. Let's stay on the topic of tires, but come back to the United States with the calls. Matt in Texas talking about uh, warrantying tires and all the problems that I've been having with nails. Matt, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Matt in Texas. Uh, Listening to your show and heard about the issues you've been having with your tires, I recently went to a discount tire. Uh, It's a large chain that has always taken very good care of me. Uh, and I know that they have them on the West Coast. I think they're called America's Tire. But anyway, I went in for a tire rotation, and they said that they only do this with new vehicles, but they can warranty the tires. And he said because it's a Tesla, he knows that they're a special kind of tire with a foam insert that are very expensive. So I think it was about $250 for a lifetime of the tire warranty uh, rotation, and they even do road force balancing. So I thought you could use that uh, in case you have another issue or one of your listeners could use it uh, to have tire repair and kind of a warranty on new tires. So uh, thank you, Ryan. Love the show. Thanks. Thank you so much for that, Matt. I couldn't find anything about it being applicable to new cars on their website, but I do believe you. So while it's probably too late for me as I've uh, just turned 4,000 miles on my car, I would encourage anyone taking delivery around now, uh, or if you just maybe super recently did, to look into this. See, uh, ask around, see if uh, if it might be worthwhile, because again, it's you're going to be on those original factory tires for 20, 30 plus thousand miles. So, Hey, if you can, if you can get a tire warranty might be worth it. Robert in Chicago is next up replying to Ken and his dash cam problems from last week. Robert, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. This is Robert from Chicago. Uh, it's been a while since I called in. When I just had a quick comment, uh, after listening to Ken, uh, I forget where he's from, calling about his dash cam problem where he saved and it was missing 40 seconds. Um, I haven't encountered an accident, but I did notice the first time uh, that I took it out to just kind of test the uh, dash cam functionality. I got back, pulled all the way into my garage and hit the, uh, the save the last 10 minutes button. And then I went in and looked at it and I happened to notice that it 
it didn't save it saved the previous 10 minutes but not including the min most recent minute that I would have been in so I didn't get all the way home in the video which I thought was interesting so now every time that I do want to save something from the dash cam I mentally take note of what time it is and wait at least a minute or two to pass and then hit the button um, and I haven't had uh, there's only been one or two other things that I've pulled from so I, I, I haven't paid it attention to whether or not capturing that extra zero to 59 seconds um, between recording cycles, I guess, as it, as it goes. So um, anyways, I don't know. Maybe that's just my idea of maybe why he was missing those key 40 seconds if he hit it as soon as the accident was over. Um, that might have been why, and maybe other listeners could chime in too. All right. Thanks for the podcast and the show, and I'll talk to you again. Bye. If that's true, I sure hope Tesla can change that behavior via a software update. Uh, Ken did say he sent his file along to Tesla, so they have no doubt looked at it and hopefully have learned something from it that they can use to make it better for everyone, including Ken when he gets his repaired car back. Robert, thank you so much for the call. Uh, speaking of repaired Teslas, let's go to Gil in San Diego giving an update on his sideswiped Model 3 repair where his dash cam had gotten corrupted. So there's uh, I'm playing this because there's some wisdom to pass along to everybody here. Gil, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. Uh, Gil from San Diego wanted to give you an update on my uh, Tesla after it got uh, sideswiped um, back on, on Halloween. Um, unfortunately, it took Tesla about a month uh, to get all the parts we needed to start the repairs. Uh, so repairs just started last week. Uh, I think that's something that definitely needs to be uh, worked on. Um, and um, they're hoping to get it to me before Christmas. So I have been without my uh, nearly brand new Model 3 since uh, October 31st, which has been rough. A couple um, suggestions for folks um, who may be going through this process. First, um, if your car is drivable, mine was not, but if your car is drivable, you might want to see if the body shop will let them, let you sort of go in there, have them find out what they need, and then keep your car. Uh, that way you're not without your car for the, the sort of month and a half that it looks like I'll be without mine. Second, um, my insurance only covered about um, three weeks of rental uh, coverage and, and we ran out. But it turned out that the body shop actually had a loaner, uh, which I've been driving ever since the uh, rental insurance uh, uh, ran out. So that's one other thing to check with whatever Tesla body shop you send it to to see if they have a loaner vehicle since this will almost certainly take longer uh, than most folks' rental periods. Hope that helps, folks. I'm looking forward to getting uh, our car back, and uh, I'll let you know when that happens. Thanks, take care, and thanks for all the work you do for the community. Thank you for those helpful firsthand suggestions as you go through this, Gil. Let's hope nobody out there has to go through it as well, but it's kind of you to share your wisdom from, from living through that with other folks. I hope you get your car back soon. Two more calls this week. Jason from Auburn, California, responds to the voice command issue. Jason, what have you got? Hi, Ryan. This is Jason in Auburn, California. I just wanted to address a couple of issues that your callers had last week. One is the voice command. Uh, I know that living up here in the sticks, sometimes I don't have an internet connection. And when I don't have internet, I don't have any voice control. So that might be the problem. The other one is getting a $0 supercharger fee. Uh, I had that happen at a 
supercharger where I had no internet. So once again, the no internet thing might be the problem. I did later get charged for that supercharging visit. And uh, I also wanted to suggest that if anybody has problems with their windows not going all the way down, I had a passenger side front window that would stop at about a quarter inch up. And uh, if you roll the window all the way to the top and then hold the button down for about 20 seconds, then the window will drop the last quarter inch or so uh, about 20 seconds after it hits the bottom where it used to stop. And then the next time you use it, it'll work the same. All right. Well, thank you. I love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Ryan. Nothing to add to this. Just one of those good PSAs. These are all excellent, helpful suggestions. Jason, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, Carrie now is going to take us home responding to the idea of uh, level four autonomous road trips, driverless road trips, summoning your car and needing the idea of needing another human being to plug you in at the superchargers along the way. Carrie, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, it's Carrie from Whittier, California. The other day I was listening to the podcast and we were talking about um, autonomous driving across the country or road tripping with no one in the vehicle. And uh, a caller was mentioning having other people plug the car in or uh, unplug the car uh, so that the car could continue on once charged. My idea is that each um, supercharger station have an induction charger that the car could simply autonomously pull into or out of that would not have to involve the robotic snake. The charging would be slower, obviously, because induction is not as effective um, as uh, plugging directly in, but this would solve the problem of somebody having to plug or unplug the car or even a robot having to do it. That's my idea. Who knows what will happen? Have a great time. Have a great day. You are correct, Carrie. That would definitely do it. And there was a third party that was pushing that a few years back in the early Model S days. You needed some kind of adapter thingy hooked up to your car to, of course, connect to the wireless charging. And I guess the business never went anymore, uh, went anywhere, pardon me, because I haven't seen anything about that in forever. I used to get, there would be ads uh, advertising that on like Tesla Motors Club forum and other other sort of Tesla community sites. But yeah, you're right. That would definitely be one way to go. The cars would still need a hardware mount of some kind, just like this third party thing used a few years back. But hey, if Tesla themselves did it, then surely it would get much higher uptake than, than this uh, seemingly not successful third party endeavor. Thank you for your call. Thank you everybody for your calls. Again, keep them coming. You want to talk Tesla? I'm here for you. Send your calls in in one of two easy ways. Either record a question on your smartphone. Please try to keep it to 60 to 90 seconds tops. You can email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a message anytime, day or night, on the toll-free Ride the Lightning hotline. That number again, 1-888-989-8752. Be right back to wrap things up for you right after this. All right, I want to start by mentioning abstractocean.com, and a fine third-party seller of Tesla-related wares, mostly in the lighting department. I mean, not mostly. They have lots of stuff, but I would call that their specialty. The puddle lights, 
the upgraded uh, interior LED lighting kits, whatever you want, whatever you want to do, they've probably got something for you, even right down to Tesla lanyards, just something fun to wear on the Tesla side, uh, the screen protectors, all sorts of stuff. Just take a look over there, abstractocean.com, and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Immaculate Reflections, meanwhile, can take you care, uh, take good care of you on the detailing front, whether you want to do new car prep, paint correction, uh, just a nice deep clay bar wax cleaning, uh, the paint protection film, the ceramic coating, whatever of that you like, they can take care of you. Check out their work at irdetailing.com. Oh, and actually, before I forget... The Spirit of Adventure this week. I mean, I just want to mention, I, I think I teased this earlier in the show. I got software version 48.1 this week, and really only particularly relevant for Model 3 owners because it adds pin to drive, which the S and the X have had. So that did finally arrive for Model 3. So if you need that optional extra layer of security, it is there. Although the, the feature that is there for everyone, new feature, is the ability to view nearby charging stations right from your Tesla mobile app, but you will need to make sure that your Tesla app has been updated on your smartphone to the newest version to make that work. Oh, and uh, the pro tip, I almost forgot about the pro tip this week. Our tip of the week comes to us from Travis in Carlsbad, California. It's an Easter egg. Travis, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is Travis. I'm calling from Carlsbad, which is in San Diego county um just calling to uh let you know and the listeners know about a easter egg that i found kind of interesting i'm not sure if you've covered it um quite yet but when you're plugged into a supercharger or your charger at home while the plug is in your car if you press the button to release the charger from your car while it's in if you press it 10 times rapidly the uh light up t logo at least for the Model 3, will flash rainbow colors for quite a few seconds. Just kind of a cool little thing to try out. Show the kids, whatever. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Just want to say I appreciate you and all you do. Congrats on your roadster, brother. I am going to have to give that one a shot. Thank you so much, Travis. I like that. That'll be fun. All righty, uh, where did I leave off? Ah, well, there's Patreon. If you enjoy the show, you get a lot out of it. It informs you, perhaps even entertains you along the way, and you decide you'd like to support me. It's totally optional, but the way to do that is through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And there's uh, you can look through all the information there and uh, do whatever feels right to you, if anything at all. Just appreciate you taking a look at the page. Uh, let's see, you can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. The email address I gave you earlier on the show, teslapodcast at gmail.com if you want to write to me. Uh, the referral code, again, it's if, if, you just, if you don't have another friend or family member or anything that you can use and you just you need one to get your six months of free supercharging, mine is Ryan73014. Uh, or if you're ordering online, just use the, type this into your browser. It'll do it all baked in. It's ts.la 
slash Ryan73014. And if you're in Europe and want to apply it, please see the instructions from the beginning of last week's show, episode 175. Luxendary.com has some fun Tesla-inspired smartphone cases to uh, automatically get a 15% discount for anything you buy there. Just use the URL luxendary.com slash RTL, and that'll bake the code right in for you. Meanwhile, if you order a Jada wireless charging pad for your Model 3, sadly, I don't have a discount for that, but uh, the Jada folks did reach out. If anybody orders through this show, I get a couple of bucks on a referral, basically, so you got to use this URL. So please order through this URL, which is getjada.com, get jada spelled J-E-D-A, getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. I want to say a special thank you, as always, to the Patreon producers, either the, the kind folks who support me at the producer level. Part of the perk of that is getting your name shouted out at the end of every show, and we have, in fact, arrived at the end of the show. I want to thank my newest Patreon producer, Blake Wiley. Thank you so much. Uh, Blake, really appreciate your support. And I also wanted to apologize to last week's brand new Patreon producer, Daniel Grummer. Daniel, I'm, I, I'm so sorry. We exchanged notes, so I won't get into it on the air, but I just, I just totally brain farted and messed up your name. So I'm really sorry about that last week. But the rest of the Patreon producer crew, we've got Michael Waddle, Ground Level Painting, Stig Mickey Jensen, Luxendary.com, Dorian Steve Guberman, Joel Sapp, Lyle Austin, Scott Gillis, Bill Royko, Rick Sinta, Brian Hope, Jerry and Mary Smith, Gabriel Salais, Luke Miles, David Nondahl, Eric Randolph, Luke A., Ulrich Lassa, David Vakil, Rome Strack, Harold Plug. Peter Chalet, Lars Hoffman, Lee Sweet, Marcus Mayenshine, Tim Hyde, Emotion Rentals, Jason Chalukas, Robert Maracle, Michael Lester, Matthew Parra, Logan Willis, Alexi Heft, Jonathan Wales, David Brander, George Cassiopo, Wolfgang Obergen, Pete White, DJ Harbaugh, and Paul Hussey. I think, oh, a quick just shout out to Brian from Northeast Pennsylvania. I forgot to do this last week. He sent in a, a call that wasn't necessarily great for the air, but just he, he really nice things he had to say to me, uh, which just made my day listening to it. So Brian from Northeast Pennsylvania, thank you so much. Uh, and congratulations on the delivery of your mid-range Model 3. And hopefully I'll be seeing you in a couple years on the Roadster Tour. I think that's it. Subscribe to the show if you don't already do so. Again, that's completely free. It's just a matter of having the show download to you automatically if you subscribe versus if you don't subscribe, having to hunt it down each and every week. You can subscribe via iTunes, Google Podcasts. Remember, not Google Play anymore, but Google Podcasts app. Stitcher, TuneIn, which is in your Tesla. That's you can get the car, get the podcast in your car via TuneIn, and then there's I'm um, on Spotify or the hosting site where you can get indiv- individual shows or the RSS feed or both, teslapodcast.libsyn.com. Also, I'm on YouTube. It's just audio. There's there's no video of any uh, kind other than the <laughs> my launch, my first launch in my P3D from the from delivery day. But as far as the show goes, it just syndicates the uh, the audio versions that you get here 
on whatever podcast service you're listening through. So that wraps it up for me. I'm Ryan McCaffrey for a yes, of course, now comfortably, happily sleeping Daisy the Boxer Puppy. Uh, I want to thank each and every one of you for your time. It's Your time's incredibly valuable. I do not take it for granted. I do not take it lightly. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. Make it's maximum fun.